virtual reality visitation. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Dr. Todd Richmond, IEEE member, professor and director of the Tech and Narrative Lab at Pardee Rand Graduate School. Welcome, Dr. Richmond. Uh, thanks. Happy to be here. What does the Tech and Narrative Lab do and how are you involved with IEEE? Well, I've been involved with IEEE for a number of years as a member and have participated uh, in, uh, in various conferences, giving talks, uh, doing press interviews like this, uh, because IEEE is really working to make technology better and try and make the world a better place through technology. Um, what the Tech and Narrative Lab does, it's within the Party Ran Graduate School. Party Ran Graduate School is unique. It's the oldest and largest public policy PhD program uh, in the country, started in 1970. And it's also unique in that the graduate school is housed within the nonprofit, uh, nonpartisan RAND Corporation, as opposed to a traditional university. So the Tech and Narrative Lab started a couple of years ago, and it was around us revamping our PhD curriculum. And and it's a focus on the intersection of emerging technology and policy, because what we're seeing is that technology is moving forward at breakneck pace and that policy is really lagging behind. So we need to think differently about how we make public policy, how we understand emerging technology, and then how we're going to move forward with the emerging technology in ways that are more thoughtful, more equitable and more sustainable. The pandemic halted many of our in-person interactions, but virtual reality-based visiting systems have allowed us to visit sick family members restricted to COVID isolation wards. Tell us about that. Well, I think you see a spectrum. So when you talk about reality, I usually go to the gold standard, which is in-person face-to-face interactions, which I refer to as analog interactions, right? That's what we're born into. That's what we're now missing because of the pandemic. And as you go through the spectrum, sort of augmented reality brings digital stuff into your analog world. And then virtual reality in the extreme blocks at least some of your senses to your real-time analog world and immerses you into an environment that may be a mix of synthetic environment, so like a game engine that it's all, all uh, virtual, or it may be composed of uh, photoreal environments and captures. So uh, these, the, you, you can consider what we're doing right now, uh, video conferencing, as a type of virtual reality. It's just not particularly immersive because there's a boundary around the screen, right? I see you, but I see the rest of my office here. When you go into VR, that screen boundary is erased and now you're surrounded by an environment. And that sense of immersion is something that can be very profound and uh, can give you new affordances. So this, uh, the pandemic limiting our, abil our ability to have real-time face-to-face, physically co-located interactions. We know that the screen gives us part of the way there to make connections, but VR has the promise at least of really immersing ourselves and having a deeper connection with that person that we're interacting with. I wanna talk more about that. What's the process of that for both maybe patients and visitors? Uh, well, so 
most of these systems are set up with uh, photographed environments. So you're trying, in this case, you're trying to replicate um, the, the actual surroundings and you're definitely trying to replicate an actual person. So for instance, you wouldn't do this with an avatar. So I wouldn't create a, you know, a, a crazy sort of serpent avatar of myself and go have a conversation with my grandmother who is now an elephant avatar or whatever it is. So in this case, you're typically using photographic renderings. The cameras will capture that, map that on to a, uh, a virtual, an avatar that's in the space, but it will have your face. If it's using uh, tracking, it can track your gestures, uh, do some of the facial tracking to, to track lip flap and other movements. Um, and then it instantiates you in a space. What's interesting to me is this is an area where I think photo real or trying to replicate the actual environment is maybe not the best thing. We're, we've already seen this with, with Zoom and Teams calls when people change their background, right? So virtual provides you the opportunity to instantiate yourself anywhere in the world. So if I'm going to go visit a relative that is in, for instance, a retirement home or in the hospital, do I really want that interaction to be in the hospital with all of the, the noises and the sounds? Or do I want it to be on a beach in Cancun? Um, VR allows you to do the beach in Cancun or Fiji or on a mountaintop or at 30,000 feet dropping out of an airplane. So I, I think really what the, and we're, you know, as far as the process of doing this, we're, we're still, I would argue in the early days of VR really being easy to use, quick uptake and, and able to do these things in a very, through a very facile process. But we've experimented with these capabilities. We know we can do this capturing a human, uh, a human appearance and then mapping that onto an avatar and then having a real time conversation. So now it's just a question of making the technology quicker, easier to use, faster frame rates, higher fidelity, and then figuring out what will make those interactions more meaningful. How well have patients and visitors accepted the concept of virtual visitation in VR? Can you really make or even continue an emotional connection? Um, so there's, that's an interesting question. And there's data that's on that and it's mixed, right? So one issue that you have is a phenomenon known as the uncanny valley, which animators have known about for years. The uncanny valley is this idea that if you take an animated character and then you slowly make them more and more lifelike in their appearance, humans will have a stronger reaction and interaction with them right up until it gets creepy. And then all of a sudden it breaks your, it, it breaks the connection. So Polar Express was one of the canonical examples of this. Tom Hanks's character was just realistic enough to be kind of creepy and weird. And so that, that fell into the uncanny valley. The hope is as we get towards higher and higher fidelity and better capture that we will leap across the uncanny valley and that the VR interaction will be 
exactly the same, at least to most of our senses, as a real-time interaction between two humans. We're not there yet. And I think that whether or not somebody really engages with this and enjoys the interaction depends a lot on their expectations and depends on you know how open they are. Because it's not the same as sitting down in a room and sitting across the table from somebody. It, it's a different interaction. It's also different than a video conference. Um, and in some ways, some people may prefer the video conference because it is a constrained experience. VR can actually be kind of sensory overload for a lot of people who are not gamer, hardcore gamers and are not used to this type of digital interaction. Um, and older populations tend to fall into that category. You know, most, most grandmothers have not been in VR and they didn't grow up playing Call of Duty. So, you know, you see generational differences in how effective this is and, and how, how engaging it can be. But I think, you know, humans are, we do learn and we do adapt. And I, I think if people are open to it and they start to see the, the sort of inkling of, wow, this experience gives me something that I don't get through a flat computer screen, then you'll see more uptake and you'll see more engagement and it'll really start to take off. VR right now is in a little bit of a lull. It peaked 2016, 2017, it was really going gangbusters. And then it hit this reality. And part of that reality was driven by technology issues. Frame rates were slow, you were still wired. Uh, room scale was really clunky that you, you had issues, you know, the, the, the fidelity was such that you were oftentimes in the uncanny valley. So that was a set of technical problems. But in some ways, those are easy to solve. They're hard, but they're easy because we know what a right answer looks like, right? If, if 20 frames per second is not good, then probably 60 frames per second or 90 frames per second or 120 frames per second, I, I have a target to shoot for. The other piece of this is how do I make an engaging interaction in virtual reality? Because it's not analog, real to real, real time interaction, and it's not bounded by a computer screen. That's something we don't know what a right answer looks like. So that takes a lot of experimentation, a lot of messing about, and it's why you want artists and musicians and creatives playing in VR spaces because the artists and the adult industry, which is a whole other thing, they're usually the ones that push the boundaries of any new technology capability. Dr. Todd Richmond, IEEE member, professor, director of the Tech and Narrative Lab at Pardee Rand Graduate School. If somebody wants to connect with you, Todd, maybe they want to connect with Twiggy, your cat, how can they do that? Um, email is always good. It's the lowest common denominator. Uh, I'm at richmond at rand.org. I also have uh, a website for the day-to-day -day things, which is toddrichmond.com. If you're interested in my music stuff, that's nostatic.com. Uh, and then also nostatic at gmail.com uh, or taught at nostatic.com. So there's a ton of ways. And I I'm not that active on Twitter. I do have a Twitter account and an Instagram account. Uh, these days, I've been, I've lowered my social media profile just because it's kind of weird times and the whole election thing. And there's, there's a lot going on. Uh, but email and web, I'm still 100% <laughs> checked out on that. 
perfect. Well, I tell you what, what helps during these times is more kitten pictures. So we'll, we'll look forward to seeing some twi Twiggy pictures hopefully posted on social media. Yeah, my, my wife is addicted now to Shiba Inu dog pictures. So we'll there see how that it. goes. <laughs> Thanks again, Todd. Thank you. And find more of my interviews right here on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.